Welcome back to the Shelf Oddities. My name is Erie. And I'm Serafina. And Erie, what oddity are you feeling like for our good old part two? That is a great question. The oddity that I am feeling like today is a old vintage bottle of embalming fluid because we're staying toxic. Mm. And what oddity are you feeling like today? <laughs> um, I'm definitely feeling like a good old brass Victorian era wall sconce to hold some candles oh. because I did just buy a couple of them this morning. I have been obsessed with them for a long time. And for some reason, my brain went, wait a second, check Etsy. And I found some real oh, bangers. Yeah. That's a great so, place to find them. I'm really happy about that. But before we get into everything... I know we typically talk about our week a little bit or whatever, but this is part two, so we've already talked a little bit about that in our last episode. If you haven't listened to the first episode that we've talked about this, it's the last episode that we uploaded. Please go do that one first before you come here or else you will be scarred. And um, you want to make sure you have a nice warm up to that first. Accurate. So what we will talk about is that I have been, well not me alone, me and my partner have been on a new movie binge for the last like couple weekends mm -hmm. so i've watched a bunch of new movies um new to me i will say new to me some of them are old movies some of them are new movies but um we finally watched hereditary okay yeah i watched that for the first time a couple months ago actually it's so good it's good yeah it's so um i didn't watch it for a long time because i thought it was gonna be like really scary because it was like the scariest movie of 2019 or whatever the hell. It was like A24's like first like big, big scary mm -hmm. movie, I think. And um, at no point was I like traumatized. Like, no, I was probably traumatized. I wasn't bone chilled, you know? Like, sure. Good story. Interesting story. Um, wish I would have watched it earlier because I Tony Collette is a bomb-ass actress. I mean, mm -hmm. dear Lord, she can put on a show. But last night, we watched Gone Girl for the first time. Have you ever seen Gone Girl? I've never seen Gone Girl. I've heard you things about it. You need to watch it. Gone Girl so badly. You need to watch Gone Girl more than you need to do this podcast. You need to watch <laughs> Gone Girl more than you need to breathe. I guess we're um, stopping to record. Bye. Okay. Uh, this won't be uploaded anytime soon. We lied to you on the last episode. You're hearing this probably in March. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> It was so good, and um, I was very seen in the movie. Like, it very felt like a movie that was written for me. It was, like, my kind of villain, like, my kind of story. Mm -hmm. um, so much so that my partner afterwards was, like, side-eyeing me the whole oh, time, no. being like, I, like, I swear, I'm, like, please don't kill me. Like, it was so funny. <laughs> and no one, like, it's not like it's like that, but it was just so funny that he was like, that Like that was your type of movie. So, like, uh, we all know I like to talk about the female gaze. This was female rage. This was female <laughs> plotting, scheming, feral goblin mode. Um, and it's so much fun. I mean, as long as you realize it's, like, very toxic and it's not a good situation. And it's just, it's just, uh, it's one of Reese Witherspoon's, it was, like, their first company's movie that came mm -hmm. out. And it's, once again, why I like her production house so much is, like, actual stories, or not actual stories, but, like, stories told from actual women. Like, women wrote them, women produced them. So you mm -hmm. actually get to see women women being mad or women punishing people or you know like whatever and like a way that women actually would and it's genius it's so good so i just wanted to say that if you haven't seen it please watch it and also know that the entire time i felt like <sighs> that's good for her 
good for her. I love a good good for her movie. I do too, and it's it's a little rough. That it's a little more rough than a good for her movie, but I still stand that it sticks in that category. Believable. So that's how I feel. So I wanted to share my little tidbit of hope, or not hope, but en- enlightenment before we get back into this horrendous cavern of death. <laughs> yeah, before we jump into it, I did want to mention, I know I had talked about getting a tarantula in my birthday episode. Um, I officially ordered the shelving unit mm-hmm. and like all the things I need for the setup other than the enclosure. Um, so we are, we're doing the damn thing. We're doing the damn thing. Can't wait to see her. I am Me scared. Either. <laughs> I am scared. Everyone I've talked to about it has agreed with that. So I'm a, little, a little skittish about the whole thing. It's a little alarming, but I <laughs> I will stand I will stand by you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anytime. Well, get ready to stand by me talking about some stuff that you probably don't want to listen to. Oh god. Okay. We love it. Welcome to Diet Love Pass Part Two. Um, this is where we're gonna get into the autopsy reports and the theories behind what people think happened here. Um, just a quick summary of what happened in part one. We went through the timeline of events. By the time we were ended with the timeline events and getting to know the players um, involved in the incident, uh, all of the bodies had been autopsied and the case had been closed. And you know what? I have no fucking clue what's going on with that. I don't think anyone does. So some key moments, right? Ten people went out, one came back. Because of an uh, an injury, yeah, injury. Yeah, um, all nine of those people's bodies were found in yep. various locations. Yep, um, a couple here, a couple there, four in a cave or in yep. a cavern, in a den. In yeah. a den. Um, it took a long time for people to realize they were missing. Not a long time. It took a short time for people to realize they were missing. A couple, a few days longer than what Expected would be normal. Um, there was a rescue team sent out. There was a guy working on this case. That guy then got mysteriously fired. And replaced, yep. And replaced by someone who really wanted this case to be closed, is what it feels like and sounds like. I mean, the case got closed, so... It sure did. accomplished. So now we are going to deep dive into what happened to these poor people, because their bodies were found, but not found in a way that you would expect for a simple hiking mishap. Accurate. All right, um, let's get into so it. So I'm going to go through each person and um, all of their, you know, not the full autopsy report, but the stuff that's important. Um, the most unnerving. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're starting with Yuri Doroshenko. Um, the complexion of the deceased has been described as, quote, brown purple. He oh. was wearing a sleeveless cotton undershirt short sleeve checkered shirt with two empty breast pockets with all six buttons fastened shorts and swimming trunks blue cotton underpants fastened with two buttons badly ripped on the front of the right side he was wearing different sets of wool socks on both feet socks on the left foot were burned he was not wearing any shoes Liver mortis spots were located at the back of the neck, torso, and extremities, which was not consistent with the position of the body in which it was found. This means that the body was moved sometime after the blood had stopped circulating. Oh, no. Um, There's a little bit more detail about how that might not actually be true. Um, about okay. the liver mortis stuff, so I'm going to mention that later. Just so but. people know, liver, liver mortis is 
those spots that you get where your blood has pooled. Typically in your lower portion um, of on the body. But this is only after death. Mm-hmm. So basically if your body's been sitting a certain way for a certain time, you're going to end up getting these dark purple spots. Yep. Um, postmortem photos show him laying on the ground. In the hair of the deceased, experts found particles of moss and pine needles. The hair was burned on the right side of the head. The ear, nose, and lips are covered with blood. He had a swollen upper lip with a dark red hemorrhage. The right cheek soft tissue was covered with gray foam, and gray liquid was coming from his open mouth. Most apparent cause is pulmonary edema. Okay. His ear auricles are bluish red in color, and the right earlobe and tragus have dense patches of brown-red color. His right armpit had a bruise. He had brown-red bruises in the upper third of right forearm with swelling and small abrasions in the rear of the right hand soft tissue. The bruising and stuff is, like, important to note because if you're already dead, the body doesn't start healing and doing the things that it needs to do. Right. So it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) What, What happened that, like... Also, you said preliminary edema earlier, and that's a condition caused by too much fluid in the lungs. Just in case you don't know what that means, yeah, I am fluid gonna, collects in the air sacs. I am going to mention a little bit later, like, why they think he had gro- gray foam, but... Okay, cool. He had a bruise with bleeding into the underlying soft tissue on the back of the right hand, corresponding with the second metacarpal bone. The metacarpal bone is any of the several tubular bones between the wrist bones and each of the forelimb digits. So it's like okay. on your hand. Right. Your hand. Your hand, little metacarpal. Yep. Uh, the soft tissues of both hands and fingertips are especially dark purple. All fingers and toes are severely frostbitten. Okay. Um, if Yuri had survived, he would have had to amputate all his toes and fingers. Oh my gosh. Which is insane. <sighs> you kind of expect that in this particular... Yeah, definitely. I mean, he didn't but... even have shoes on, and he was wearing short sleeves, so... Yeah. Yeah. On the inner surface of his left shoulder, in the lower third, he had an abrasion, which was a brown-red color. On the inner surfaces of his left elbow, he had minor abrasions in a brownish-red color. On the inner surface of the left forearm, there was a surface skin wound covered with dried blood. Similar bruises in pale red color are on the shins and both legs. Which, like, if it's on your, like, arms and legs and stuff, that's, like, running and fighting, in my opinion, or, like... I was like, he, this man got fucked up. Yeah. Like, that's it, a like, lot. That's not like I tripped and fell a little bit. That's like I fell off the side of the mountain and or got pummeled to fucking death. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because bodies can't bruise after death, but they can show up after death, if that makes any sense. Like, you can't bruise a person after they've died, but if you get hit and then you die in, like, a couple days, a bruise can show up. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Don't love that. Don't love that either. 
Um, so the amount of urine that he had in his body was 150 centimeters with the little three above it. I'm only mentioning this because the volume is considered to be smaller than what it would be expected in the case of a death by hypothermia. So the, oh, okay. de- the body was still making efforts to fight the freezing at the time of death. Gotcha. So the hypothermic death cases have significantly more urine in the bladder. That's not usually accurate. Or like how that works usually. Um, Mm -hmm. The foamy gray fluid that was found on the right cheek of the deceased uh, started the speculations that before death, someone or something was pressing on his chest cavity. Yeah. So, um, I just, uh, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, that's dark. Yeah. That's not an easy death. That's not a simple death. That's That's not a quick death. That is... That's pain. Um, experts described that the injuries, the bruises and abrasions, were all non-life-threatening. Mm-hmm. And explained them um, with Yuri hitting himself in, like, rocks and ice and other surrounding objects in the state of agony. So he was, like, throwing himself around. Mm. Um, his death, according to the file, occurred six to eight hours after his last meal. Okay. It's just so... Six to eight after the last meal. That's so interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird timeline because, like, did they eat and then go to bed immediately? And then this was, like, in the middle of the night? Yeah. Or is this after breakfast? Like, we don't know. Yeah. Mm -mm. Hmm. Um, so the next one, which is Georgi Krivonshenko, his body was discovered underneath a cedar tree. He was dressed in an undershirt, long sleeve checkered shirt, swimming pants, long underpants, and torn socks on his left foot. No footwear. Um, he had a bruise on his forehead, diffuse bleeding in the right temporal and occipital region due to damage to torporalis muscle. He had a bruise around his left temporal bone. Uh, the tip of his nose was missing, and there were no traces of blood, meaning it was bitten most probably by animals post-mortem. Yeah. Um, because the deceased was found face face up. Okay. He had frostbitten ears. Mm-hmm. Um, portion of the epidermis from the right hand is found in the mouth of the deceased. I'm sorry, one more time. A portion of the epidermis from the right hand is found in the mouth of the deceased. So he bit himself? Yes. Okay. The tissue was in his mouth. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Uh, So the back of his right hand is swollen. His fingers are brownish purple. The tips of the fingers on the right hand are dark brown color. He has minor skin abrasions on the soft tissue. Palm of the right hand was bluish in color, dark brown skin wound with jagged edges at the base of the thumb. In the middle phalanx of the fingers, four to five cuttinous wounds with hard edges and charred surface. That one was very interesting to me. Charred surface is like... Yeah, the burn parts are weird. Yeah, the burn parts are very weird. The burn parts are weird. Also, I... The first one I let it go because I was like, I don't know, you just pack what you pack, I guess. Why do they all have swim trunks on? That yeah, that's a good question that I don't know. What were they doing? I don't okay. know. A detachment of the two centimeter epidermis on the back of his left hand. Abrasion in a pale red color on the right side of his chest. Pale red abrasions along middle 
clavicle line at the edge of the rib of the right hypochondrium. Dark red abrasions on left wrist, back of the left hand is swollen. Pink and brown red bruise on his left buttock. What? Uh, okay. I mean, you fall on your ass, I guess, and maybe... Like, maybe while he's, like, running or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three linear skin lesions with straight edges, sharp corners, and depth up to 0.3 centimeters on the inner side of the upper third of the left thigh. Mm-hmm. Did they, did they say that was pre-mortem? Because I guess that could be an animal afterwards. With straight edges? You'd think yeah, like if claws? it was an animal... Though with the claw, I think when I think of a claw, I still think it has jagged edges. It's not usually. Um, like I was a, thinking like um like something with like thin claws, like uh, a like ferret a, or like a you know a ferret. Not a ferret. What are they called when they're in the wild? A minx. A minx. Yeah. Um, three cutinous wounds with sharp edges on the inner side of the upper third of the left hip. It's just weird how many um. Like, abrasions and stuff, he has, like, hips down. Um, dark brown abrasion on the front of the right femur and tibia. Dark brown red abrasion on the front inner left thigh. Edema on the left leg and foot. Burn in the area on the entire outer surface of the leg. That's so interesting. Yeah, the burns are the part where I'm like, I don't... I don't get that. I mean, we know that there was a fire. Yes, there was a fire. But were they sitting in it? Yeah, but, like, why? Yeah. Um, dark brown abrasions on the right shin. He had patches in an area of brown epidermis peeling from the back of the left foot. Second toe charred to dark brown color, and the tissue is dense to the touch. What? What? So this makes zero sense. I know. There's like... Ugh. So, so the cause of death was hypothermia. Uh, mm-hmm. The presence of skin between his teeth that was torn from his right hand might suggest that he tried to stay on the cedar tree as long as he could and tried to awaken his irresponsive hand by biting himself mm-hmm. or he who was trying to stifle a cry, which I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't know about that. Uh-huh. Mm-mm. The f- t- first two bodies that were found um, from this incident show an expected death pattern that they froze to death. Mm-hmm. Um, their clothes were then removed by their friends. So one of the most common myths that surround these deaths is the theory of paradoxical undressing, which we talked about in the episode one. Um, mm-hmm. This theory ignores the fact that the bodies were undressed after they died, and it was done mm-hmm. by members of the group with help of a knife in some cases. So different articles of clothing were simply cut from the dead bodies or taken off. Um, Mm -hmm. So that also shows, like, that the other people have a logical will to live. They're not, like, panicking. These people died, so they know that they need to take their possessions. Mm -hmm. And, like, the bodies were then carefully and respectfully laid side by side. So it's, like, the people who were surviving made these decisions Mm -hmm. in, in in a regular state of so weird. The next person was um, Igor Dyatlov. Um, he was found 300 meters from the cedar, face up, head towards the tent. Above the snow were visible only his hands, clenched in fists, folded in front of his chest. He has an unbuttoned jacket on, which is obviously unusual for someone that is freezing to death. 
Mm -hmm. Um, He had a height of 175 centimeters. The complexion of the deceased has been described as bluish red. He had unbuttoned his fur sleeveless vest, outer side blue cotton, inner side dark gray fur, which belonged to Yudin. Case files say that he left the vest um, to Kolvatov, but Yudin himself said in 2008 he gave it to Doroshenko. So it's like they're trading clothes. If mm-hmm. someone passes away, like they're grabbing it, they're just grabbing what they can, you know, mm-hmm. so try to stay warm. Um, a blue sweater, long sleeve red cotton shirt. In the breast pocket were four pills streptocide, which is an anti inflammatory agent and used for wound infection. Um, and that was found in his pocket. So, like, they either weren't used, he just had yeah. them. Yeah. Interesting. A blue sleeveless cotton singlet, ski pants over his pants, no shoes. He had one cotton sock on his left foot and one woolen sock on his right foot. Um, It's hard to explain the uneven distribution. It could have been that he had two socks on one foot and later took it off to protect the other bare foot. It might have been someone else's sock who simply gave it away to protect a friend from a certain death. I fucking hate this and it comes up a couple times. The watch on his wrist stopped at 531. What? Yeah. I hate okay. it. I hate when the watch is like, mm-hmm. it's like, what? It, why did it stop? Did it, like, is that his time of death? Like, what the fuck? Oh. Not a fan. Can they, can watches freeze? Um, I, they have a battery, right? So I would assume so. How cold <laughs> does it have to be for a watch to freeze? Well, so what I have found is kind of interesting. It kind of seems like... I mean, I don't know what type of watch it was, so I don't know if he had, like, a camper's watch or, like, you know, like, something a little more high-tech. But it does seem like watches that are, um... have a metal... Like, Apple watches can be good until, like, negative four. Okay. Right? Because it's electronic, it kind of has its own heat. Things that are just metal typically don't do well past freezing. That's interesting. So his watch would have already had one. Why would you bring it? Well, if it's on your body, though, your body heat is going to keep it warm, right? I mean, I guess that's true. So I so, guess we know at what point his wrist froze. Yeah. Ew, when I his hate body was that. no longer producing heat. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So he had minor abrasions on his forehead, minor abrasions on his upper eyelids, brown-red abrasions above his left cheek, minor abrasions on his left cheek, brown-red abrasions on both cheeks, and dried blood on his lips. His lower jaw had a missing incisor, but they think that the tooth was lost, like, way before the final trip, so... Oh, okay. He had bruised knees without bleeding into the underlying tissues... Both ankles had brownish-red abrasions with hemorrhage into the underlying tissue. He had a single incision in the lower third of his right tibia. Many small scratches of dark red color on the lower third of the right forearm and palm surface. He had purple-gray discolorations on the backside of his right hand. His metacarpal phalangeal joints on his right hand had brown-red bruises. So this is a common injury in hand-to-hand fights. 
To get a better idea of what the injuries kind of look like, just make a fist. This is the part of the hand that you would use to hit someone. Right. Which is interesting. Like that what is was interesting. He, like was he fighting someone? That like he yeah. and a lot of his wounds are also like on his hands and his legs. So it's like right. um I definitely have my theory already, and I need to calm down. I, there's some more information <laughs> there's together. There's still, yeah. Um, so his left hand had a brown-purple color with brownish-red bruises. He had superficial wounds on the second and fifth finger on his left hand, and a skin wound in the polymer surface of the second fifth finger of his left hand. So he just had, like, a ton of shit on both of his legs and his, his fists. Yeah. There were no internal injuries for okay. him. Um, his cause of death was hypothermia. Um, so moving on to Zina Kolmogorova. Zina was found 630 meters from the cedar face down, head towards the tent. The skin of the face and hands is a purple-red color. She was better dressed than the bodies that were under the cedar tree. She had two hats, long sleeve undershirt, a sweater, a checkered shirt, and another sweater with torn cuff on the right sleeve. It was unclear whether she cut them or it was torn by another person. Okay. The sweaters were inside out, which is not unusual for mountaineers when they try to dry clothes by wearing them. Mm. So, um, waist down, Zena was wearing cotton sport pants, trousers, ski pants with three small holes at the bottom of the right trouser leg, and three pairs of socks. Two pairs were thin, then the third pair was woolen with insoles inside. No footwear. In her pockets were found five rubles, which is like money, and a military-style protective mask on the left side of her chest between the top sweater and the checkered undershirt. The stuff found in pockets is so eerie to me. I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I don't um, love it. No, I don't. Not a fan. Uh, so she had dark red abrasions on the right frontal eminence. She had a pale gray area above the right out eyebrow. She had dark red abrasions on the upper eyelids, brown red grays on the ridge and tip of the nose, numerous abrasions on the left cheekbone, bruised skin on the right side of the face. So again, we're seeing like a lot of like face injuries, mm -hmm. which is like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's odd. Bruised skin on the right side of the face, brown red abrasions on the back of both hands in the area of the metacarpal phalangeal and inner phalangeal joints. Also, I apologize for my medical pronunciations. I'm ignorant, <laughs> so doing my best. She had a wound with jagged edges and missing skin on the back of the right hand at the base of the third finger. And then she had frostbites on the phalanges and a long, bright red bruise in the lumbar region in the right side of the torso. Um, supposedly that long, bright red bruise was kind of in the shape of a baton. Hmm? Or a weirdly timed stick. Oh, yeah. Or stick. Yeah. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that either, buddy. Um, her cause of death was hypothermia due to violent accident. Wait, what? Yeah. Hypothermia due to violent accident? Yep. So, what like, a violent accident happened, and then she died of hypothermia. So she got fucking attacked and then couldn't go to get warm, so yep. she died. Yep. Interesting that they noted that there. I thought so as well. And not for other people, but for her specifically? Yeah. Yeah, because hmm. the other ones just said hypothermia. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm, something to think about. 
something to think about indeed. Um, so the next person is Rustic Slow, uh, Slow Bowden. He was found 480 meters from the cedar tree on March 5th, the day after the autopsy of the first four bodies, covered with 50 centimeters of snow, face down, head towards the tent. Most of their heads were towards the tent, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, he was better dressed um, than the previously found hikers. He wore a long sleeve undershirt, a regular shirt, a sweater, two pairs of pants, four pairs of socks, and one felt bootin on his right foot. So most of them didn't have shoes, he had one. Um, his watch stopped at 8.45 a.m. Hmm. On the chest under the sweater, he had two shoe insoles in his shirt pocket, 310 rubles, and his passport. In other pockets were found a small folding knife, a pencil, a pen, a comb and a plastic sleeve, a box of matches, and one cotton sock. Okay. Um, he had hemorrhages in the temporalis muscles, minor brownish-red abrasions on the forehead, a brownish-red bruise on the upper eyelid of the right eye with hemorrhage into the underlying tissue, traces of blood discharge from the nose... Hmm. which I don't like. Uh-uh. Swelling and a lot of small abrasions on both sides of the face. Bruises in the metacarpal phalangeal joints on both hands, so like basically bruised knuckles. Mm-hmm. Similar bruises are common in hand-to-hand fights, so we have another one who had bruises that were like that, which is very interesting to me. And what's interesting to me is some of them had that, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Um brown cherry bruises on the medical aspect of the left arm and left palm, swollen lips, bruises on the left tibia, epidermis is torn from the right forearm, and he had a fracture of the frontal bone from the sagittal suture. Hmm. So, uh, it was suggested that the fracture in his skull could have been done by a blunt object. Medical autopsy further states that Slobodin probably suffered loss of coordination due to initial shock right after the blow that could have sped up his death from hypothermia. So his death is said to be from hypothermia. All bruises and scratches were blamed on last-minute agony. Okay. Although it is still somewhat unclear how did he manage to harm his exterior hands and legs like that. Because, mm-hmm. like, when a person falls, even from, like, an irrational state, it's usually, like, your palms, because you're, like, trying to catch yourself. Right. The part that's interesting to me is the traces of a bloody nose. Yeah. Which means when this, when he was alive, he had a bloody nose and was mm-hmm. able to, like, wipe it away. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, like, he fell in something. Sure, but it's only traces. It's not or like he fell in... Died maybe, maybe it wasn't like a blood gushing bloody nose. It was just, just like a little one. yeah, yeah. Huh. It's hmm. also unusual to harm the face and sides of the skull while the back of the head has no damage. Mm. So in the case of 
Rustic's body, we see the opposite. His injury pattern is like a reverse of what we would usually see in injuries suffered by a freezing man in the last minutes of his life. That's interesting. Uh, basically, it looks like Rustic fell repeatedly on his face as he was walking down the mountain. And every time he fell, he managed to hit the sides of his head. This is unusual for a man who is probably in better physical shape than anyone else in the group. Okay, don't love that. Yeah. Don't yeah. love that at all. That makes me feel some type of way. So in part one, we also mentioned an icy bed. Rustic's body was found with an icy bed underneath it, which is basically mm-hmm. like it's hardening of right. the thawing snow. So that this means that when the body fell, it was still relatively warm. And there was like a right. noticeable heat exchange into the end. Um, this was not mentioned in the rest of the bodies, but like it could just be that no one noted it. So there's the potential that... It's still... Yeah. But, I feel like, like the they would have noted it, though. Well, I don't know, though, because the guy who did the autopsies, it's like some stuff he was really specific about and some stuff he wasn't. Yeah. Um, so... I just, that's so odd to me, because you would think the people who were burning would also have some type of icy... Icy bed underneath, yeah, because yeah. they had burns on them. Or, you know, they suffered the burns earlier, and then they I died. Guess well, and then, true. like, the first two also were laid next to each other, so I would assume that those two were, like, already dead when that happened. The burns? Um, the burns, I don't know either way, but I mean, like, the bodies, when they were placed next to each other like that, they mm-hmm. were already gone, so they might not have icy beds because they might not I have... understand. Yeah. yeah. I understand yeah. what you're saying. Okay. So, I talked about the liver mortis spots earlier, mm-hmm. um, where the liver mortis spots were found on the top surface of the body. Um, so, it's like, it allows speculation that the body's removed. Um, this, there is speculation that the medical examiner, Vaz Roskdeni, mistook frostbite erythema for liver mortis so frostbite erythema is when you have um like superficial reddening of the skin mm-hmm. and so when he was like doing his autopsies he mistook that for liver mortis oh potentially so that okay maybe that wasn't actually true that they got moved oh i understand so like that yeah. throws a whole theory away yeah interesting okay There's no mentioning of frostbite erythema, but it does say that liver mortis in frozen cadavers change color when carried into a warm room from purple to light red and then darken again. Oh, oh. So the same thing happens with frostbite erythema when defrosting a corpse. Interesting. So they could have confused the two, and then that throws the whole theory of, like, they were moved after, like, out. Okay. So just noting that. Could have been either. Okay, so now we're going to move into the bodies that were found in the den. So they were found later than the bodies that were found outside. I just want to mention that because that's going to impact the state of the bodies when they were found, right? Yeah, and it's also like multiple days, right? Yes, well, it's, it's like a month. Yeah, sorry, I said, I don't know why I said multiple days. I meant multiple weeks. Yes, So, 
all but three members had significant damage to their bones, meaning they were crushed what? with immense force. Doctors compared the extent of the damage to being hit by a car. What? Yep. A second thing that is striking about the den bodies is that they were actually found a few feet from their improvised shelter in the deep part of the ravine on the area of only four square meters. So they were, like, running. Yeah, or they were, you know, like, out of... Not where they should be if they're trying yeah. to use that to survive. Some of the clothes that were taken from the bodies left underneath the cedar tree were placed on cedar branches, but apparently they were not used. So it's like they Weird. were doing something and got interrupted, maybe, or like... Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start with Luda Dubinina. Luda wore a short sleeve shirt, long sleeve shirt, and two sweaters. Uh, the brown sweater belonged to Georgie, one of the two found beneath the cedar, and later tested radioactive. So the body was dressed with underwear, long socks, two pairs of pants. External pair was badly damaged by fire and subsequently ripped. She also wore a small hat and two pairs of warm socks. A third sock was not paired. Luda apparently, in the last attempts to preserve her feet, took off her sweater and cut it into pieces. One half she wrapped around her foot, another half she left or dropped unintentionally. Stop. But, like, that shows to me that, like, whatever was happening, they were still in their right mind to, like, make decisions to try yeah. to preserve their lives. They were trying to live. Yeah. Whether that be trying to protect their limbs or fighting, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with the, like, all the wounds to fists and stuff for the first few, it's like... Yeah. Um, so soft tissues are missing around the eyes, eyebrows, nose bridge, and left cheekbone is partially mm. exposed. Uh, damaged tissues around left temporal bone. Eye sockets are empty. Eyeballs oh. are missing. Oh. But, like, th these bodies had been out longer, so it's For like... For a long time, yeah. yeah. Nose cartilage are broken and flattened. Nose tissues of the upper lip are missing. Teeth and upper jaw is exposed. Her tongue was missing. I don't love it, but I will also say it kind of does sound like scavenging. Yeah, like animals, yeah. But I do hate that for her. Yeah, and she's the only one that that happened to, though, which is interesting. Oh, are you serious? Yes. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that changes the game a little. Yeah. Uh, so, ribs 2, 3, 4, and 5 are broken on the right side. Two fracture lines are visible. Ribs 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 are broken on the left side two fractures are visible massive hemorrhage in the heart's right atrium and she had a bruise in the middle left thigh and that does sound like she got hit by a car yeah doesn't it jesus criminy luda was laying on a kind of natural ledge with water rolling over her mouth was open there are claims that the tongue was ripped or eaten which is what we had just talked about which is like why yeah. um the medical records, though, they just say that the tongue was missing. Mm. Uh, it is noted that the stomach contained about 100 grams of coagulated blood, which is used by some to indicate that the heart was beating and the blood was flowing when the tongue was removed from the mouth. I was going to say that, like yeah. she swallowed a lot of her own blood. Yeah. 
which I don't love that at all. Like, and I I know that like this stuff is really hard to hear too. So I apologize for the people who stayed and are listening to this. But like, I I wanted to talk about it because like, what? I mean, there's something that is so. I don't want to say fascinating, uh, unnerving. Yeah. Dread, dreadful sinister about that like the idea of she went through all of this while still having a a heartbeat yeah instead of like post-mortem i would like to pretend like um it was just scavenging yeah but she's the only one that happened to Mm -hmm. also the cause of death is stated as hemorrhage into the right atrium of the heart multiple fractured ribs and internal bleeding yeah because she got fucking crushed yeah what the hell happened to her? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Um, so... Yuri Zolotarov. Um, his eyeballs were missing, which is, you know, consistent with, like, mm-hmm. them being out for a long time. Missing soft tissues and bone is exposed. Also, you know, exposure, mm-hmm. potentially. Open wound on the right side of the skull. Hmm. Uh, flail chest, broken ribs, two, three, four, five, six on the right side with two fracture lines. The body of Yuri was found with two hats, a scarf, a shirt, long sleeve shirt, black sweater, and a coat with two buttons unbuttoned. The lower part of his body was protected by underwear, two pairs of pants, and a pair of skiing pants. He had a copy of newspapers, several coins, a compass, and other few items. His legs were protected by a pair of socks and a pair of warm leather handmade shoes known as burka. Uh, which the shoes are important because most people didn't have. So. Yeah. He definitely seems like he was most prepared for the situation. Yeah. So the way he was dressed probably couldn't keep him warm for a long time. But in the den, mm-hmm. it was su- it was sufficient for keeping the man alive. Okay. Interesting. So, additionally, the body had a camera around his neck. Unfortunately, our melting water damaged the film. Damn. But, like, the questions that people have are, this tent, or this camera was not accounted for. So there were, like, four cameras, and then this is, like, a bonus camera that he had. So why did he leave the tent with the camera? And why did he have two cameras? Because he had a bonus camera. And one mm. was the one that he was using daily, and everyone saw it, and it was left in the tent and discovered by the search party, but then this one was, like, hidden throughout the journey and only found after he died. Well, he did say it was around his neck, right? Yeah. And homie was wearing a million scarves and a bunch of jackets. Like covers, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of guess that's why, but it really sucks that you can't get the film. Like, that sucks. Yeah. There were other cameras that I mentioned earlier, and they did develop the film on those. And supposedly, uh, the developed film showed, like, weird, quote, ghost-like or alien-like shapes. Um, I linked one in our Discord. That one is called Eagle 2 Light, and I don't like that. So if you look... So you're telling me I shouldn't look at it right now? Uh... I mean, it's kind of gross looking. I mean, it could also just be like there was like something on the camera when it was taken. But basically what it looks like is like they took a picture of like a field or something. And Mm -hmm. it almost looks like there's a spotlight on like some sort of weird looking 
liquidy blob. Is the best All way right. to describe it? Alright, I'm pulling the picture up. Now what the fuck is that? Yeah. Excuse me? What is that? I don't know, but I don't really like it. Excuse me? What am I looking at here? I don't know. I don't. Okay, it either looks like there's like four people standing in the field and they are like weirdly round. Or there's like a weird pterodactyl. Yep. But there is like a spotlight. Yeah. I hate this. Yep. I hate this. Yeah. This isn't like blurry camera nonsense. It's not. It's not. I don't... And that's like, is that like the last picture taken? How many pictures? So there you know were a I mean? few. They found a few. I, that one's just the one that I like the least. I really hate that. The yeah. picture of them as a group, they look so kind. Yeah. I know. That sucks. It does suck. This is awful. Yeah. Um, so both um, Zolotaryov and Dubinina have an interesting pattern of injuries that are similar in direction in force despite the difference in shape, height, and body composition of the two. Okay. This would suggest that whatever caused these injuries was not, like, a single uniformed event. So they say, like, they looked like they got hit by a car, but, like... They didn't? No. Okay. So, Alexander Kolvatov. Uh, The body of Alexander was well insulated, but he was missing a hat and shoes. His upper torso was protected by a sleeveless shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a sweater, a fleece sweater, and a ski jacket with a zipper found unzipped. Mm-hmm. The ski jacket was damaged. It had a big hole on the left sleeve and burnt edges. His right sleeve was also damaged. Several tears were found. The jacket was unbuttoned and unzipped. Um, all of this is like strange finding for a person who's dying from cold and hypothermia because it's like the jacket is open, but it's also not like the undressing because he's still dressed right right mm-hmm. um during the autopsy they found a key a safety pin some blank paper um and two packages of pills soda and codeine in his pockets the lower part of his body had shorts light pants ski pants and another pair of canvas pants from the right pocket doctors retrieved a box of matches that were soaking wet which is interesting mm-hmm. Um, his feet had no shoes, but they were protected by home-knitted woolen socks with sights of fire damage. His right foot was also protected by a light sock underneath and a woolen one. His left foot had similar three socks. Additionally, a bandage was discovered on his left ankle, but they're saying that that one might actually have been there because Beforehand? the first yeah before the incident gotcha. uh, because the first aid kit was left in the tent and these were the bodies that were found in the den mm-hmm. the waistband of his sweater and the lower parts of his trousers later tested radioactive weird yeah and that those are the only three pieces of clothing that tested that way that's so weird so he had a lack of soft tissue around eyes and his eyebrows are missing skull bones are exposed but again you know, bodies had been out for a while. Yep. The bridge of the nose is straight. The nose cartilage is soft when palpitated and has unusual mobility. The base weird. of the nose is flattened with nostrils compressed. Uh, doubly weird. Yeah. Ew. Um, he had an open wound behind his ear. He had a deformed neck. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, diffuse bleeding in the underlying tissues of the left knee, 
softened and white skin or maceration of the fingers and feet, which is a sign consistent with putrefaction in a wet environment. Okay. I'm kind of, I mean, I guess is snow and ice a wet environment? I guess it is. If it's it melting, is. right? But so. if it's... But there was water flowing yeah. to fuck up the camera that matches, so I yeah. guess it, it's definitely this a, could a be. Yeah. environment of some type. Um, overall, his skin was gray-green with a tinge of purple, which, you know, that's, seems fairly consistent with yeah. decomp. Um, this autopsy had a strange, like a similar strange silence about the injuries. Broken nose, open wound behind the ear, uh, and the deformed neck might be a result of a fight and be his cause of death. On the other hand, it could have been caused by natural elements since the body was exposed to nature for three months. So it's like, it's hard to really, to really tell. Um, So Nikolai Thibault Brignol was well protected against the coldness of the Siberian winter. He was, it was suggested that he and Zolotaryov might have been outside of the tent at the time of the mysterious threat. Um, because mm-hmm. that would explain why both of them wore shoes and were covered by several layers of clothes. Um, because they were much better prepared than the rest of the group. Whereas, like, everyone else inside of the tent might have been surprised, but they were already, like, dressed right. and ready to go. He wore a canvas fur hat um, and a home-knitted woolen hat. His upper body was protected from coldness by a shirt, wool sweater, worn inside out, and a fur jacket of sheep on a sheepskin. He wore woolen gloves, which were found in the right pocket, along with three coins, a comb, and several pieces of paper. His lower part of his body was protected by underwear, sweatpants, cotton pants, and ski pants. On his feet, he wore hand-knitted woolen socks and a pair of felt boots, or um, they're called Valenki, Russian winter shoes, basically. Um, That's good for the cold. He also wore two watches on his left arm. One stopped at 8.14, and the other at 8.39. Oh, no. Okay. Why, one, why do you need two watches at any point in time? Secondly, it is interesting to think, but he didn't die of hypothermia, right? No. Uh, Basically, his autopsy, they said that it was like an accidental fall on a rock, potentially. Okay. Like, some sort of trauma, not hypothermia, hypothermia, though. So then we can't go with the idea that the watch has stopped because, because of the I mean, cold. if he still died, right, and the body was still out there for three months, so it would have eventually stopped producing body heat. So maybe. That's true. Yeah. It's in, Yeah, it's interesting that they're within the same hour, though. Yeah. Especially because he ha- was, like, the most prepared, i.e. coat-wise. Yeah. So, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Once again, why do you need two watches? Yeah. Interesting. Um, cadaveric spots were discovered on the back of the upper body, neck, and upper extremities. His face hair length was up to one centimeter, which is interesting. Uh, he had multiple fractures to the temporal bone with extensions to the frontal and sphenoid bones. Uh, he also had a bruise on his upper lip on the left side and a hemorrhage on the lower forearm. So, um... Vezraz Denny, who undertook the autopsy, basically excluded that it was an accidental fall on rocks being the cause of his possible um, massive and unusual fracture. So 
like as in it had to have had more for- force basically so right. in conclusion it's shown that the damage to his head could have been the result of throwing or falling or like like a jettisoning of the body mm-hmm. um the medical examiner didn't think that the injuries could have been a result of him falling from his own height as in like gotcha. falling not tall head. enough yeah um <sighs> which is like how did that happen I told you I have my theories basically he said that like he could have been thrown or like slipped on ice or there was like a strong gust of wind something which I don't know about that either <laughs> I like don't it was know about all the that. wind the wind be wild and <laughs> out here damn you wind um there was the question like was he hit by a rock from someone's hand like did oh. someone hit him with it basically they said that there would have been damage to the soft tissue and there wasn't oh so he fell opened his skin up hit his shit up and then closed his skin back seamlessly yeah without yeah okay yep you know well that's a skill um another question that was asked was like after he had his head trauma how long could he have lived could he have like moved Mm -hmm. and like talked and all of that Uh, and basically they said like after that trauma he would have had a severe concussion that he likely would have been unconscious um and that moving him would have been difficult and basically impossible like close to the end he could have been carried or dragged but not necessarily moved on his own so it's like basically after it happened he was like outie so right it was a a brain altering event yes so that is everyone that is all of the autopsies we've heard jesus if that doesn't tell you a story of chaos i don't know what else does yeah i don't know what else does yeah so now we're gonna get into some theories i'm i did not cover all of them i just picked the ones that are like most common i mean Um, i'm sure there has to be a million theories because there's there's so much shit going on all at one time yep do they i have a question before i start getting into theories do they have an idea of how long the people in the den lived after the people up uh in the fire area did see on my like when we were talking about my timeline that everything Mm -hmm. happened in the same day okay so that actually helps kind of my working theory but go off all right theory number one and the one that i hate it was an avalanche Essentially, an avalanche happened. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Those who were, like, stuck in the tent had cut themselves out, attempting to avoid the avalanche. Everyone attempted to move to safety, and those who were crushed were crushed by the avalanche. So Yeah, but they were crushed and then moved a shit ton. Don't worry, buddy. So. Let's talk about some contradictory evidence uh, yeah. about the avalanche theory. The location of the incident did not have any obvious signs of an avalanche having taken place. An avalanche would have left certain patterns and debris distributed over a wide area. The bodies found within a month of the event were covered with a very shallow layer of snow, and had there been an avalanche of sufficient strength to sweep away the second party, these bodies would have been swept away as well. This would have caused more serious and different injuries in the process and would have damaged the tree line. Okay. Over a hundred expeditions to the region have been made since the incident, and none of them ever reported conditions that might create an avalanche. An analysis of the terrain and the slope showed that even if there could have been a very specific avalanche that's found its way into the area, its path would have gone past the tent. 
The tent had collapsed from the side, but not in a horizontal direction. Uh, Dyatlov was an experienced skier, and the much older Zolotaryov was studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking. Neither of these two men would have been likely to camp anywhere in the path of a potential avalanche. Okay. Footprint patterns leading away from the tent were inconsistent with someone, let alone a group of nine people running in panic from either right. real or imagined danger. All the footprints leading away from the tent and toward the woods were consistent with individuals who were walking at a normal pace. Okay. Which that, I think, is important to remember for multiple of these theories. <laughs> it does kind of fuck with my theory. Because, like, they, they just be walking, though. They do just be walking. All right. So the next theory. Catabatic wind. A catabatic wind is a drainage wind or a wind that carries high-density air from a higher elevation down a slope under the force of gravity. Such winds are sometimes also called fall winds. Um, catabatic winds can rush down elevated slopes at hurricane speeds, mm -hmm. but most are not that intense, and many are like 10 knots or less. A sudden catabatic wind would have made it impossible to remain in the tent, and the most rational, of course, action would have been for the hikers to cover the tent with snow and seek shelter behind the tree line. On top of the tent, there was also a torch left on, possibly left there intentionally so that the hikers could find their way back to the tent once the wind subsided. The By a torch, do you mean a flashlight? A flashlight, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, the expedition proposed that the group of hikers constructed two shelters, one of which collapsed, leaving four of the hikers buried with the severe injuries observed. So, I mean, that one's not completely crazy, honestly. No. But there's also, like, the radioactive stuff, though, hello. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, infrasound. Another hypothesis popularized by Donnie Ekar's 2013 book, Dead Mountains, is that Dead Mountain is that wind going around Kolat Sky Cycle created a Carmen vortex sheet, which can produce infrasound capable of inducing panic as it passed over the top of the Hulchal Mountain was responsible for causing physical discomfort and mental distress in the hikers. Icar claims that because of their panic, the hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary and fled down the slope. By the time they were further down the hill, they could have been out of the infrasound's path and would have regained their composure, but in the darkness would have been unable to return to the shelter. The traumatic injuries suffered by three of the victims were the result of their stumbling over the edge of a ravine in the darkness and landing on the rocks at the bottom. But, but then why were their jackets hung up at the inside of the ravine? And then why were the footprints not panicked if they right. were, like, supposedly induced in a panic? Why was there a flashlight left on on the top? Of the Would you have the wherewithal yeah. to do that if you were panicking, you know, from infrasound? Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely the most... Because that was my thought. It was, like, something had to have I don't know about concussed that them or, like... Fucked their, with their brain a little bit. Huh. Yeah. 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 
So this one might be one that's more on the lines of what you're thinking, um, which is military tests. So in one speculation, the campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. This theory alleges that the hikers, woken by loud explosives, fled the tent in a shoeless panic and found themselves unable to return for supply retrieval. After some members froze to death, attempting to endure the bombardment, others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. So, there are indeed records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time the hikers were there. Parachute mines detonate while still in the air rather than upon striking the Earth's surface and produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers, aka heavy internal damage with relatively little external trauma. Yeah, my theory was definitely... I have two... I have two, but one was definitely, like, some type of concussion wave. Yeah. And that's what this would produce. And also, it does explain us, you know, firing some people we shouldn't be doing and closing cases when we shouldn't. We know. We all know that the Soviet Union was, like, impeccable in their truth-telling abilities and their record-keeping. We all know this as fact. So I don't want to ever say anything different. But, I'm telling you, comrade, some shit feels a little, a little jank around there. Just a little bit. Um, the theory coincides with reported sightings of glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky within the general vicinity of the hikers, allegedly photographed by them, potentially military aircraft or descending parachute mines. So there's that. Uh, well, also that kind of explains that photo in a way, too. Oh, yeah, with, like, the weird, yeah. The weird spotlight scenario, plus, yeah. like, weird shapes. Hmm. Hmm. That's a thinker. Um, this theory uh, uses the scavenging animals to explain, like, some of those other injuries, like, later. like I mean, definitely. Tongue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, some speculate that the bodies were unnaturally manipulated on the basis of characteristic liver mortis markings discovered during an autopsy, as well as burns to their hair and skin. Photographs of the tent allegedly show that it was erected incorrectly, something the experienced hikers were unlikely to have done, so that kind of goes into the, like, something crazy was happening, so, mm-hmm. like... Um, a similar theory alleges the testing of radiological weapons and is based partially on the discovery of that radioactivity that they found in some of the clothing, which, like, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, as well as the descriptions of the bodies by relatives as having orange skin and gray hair, which I hadn't heard that before, so I'm not sure. That description wasn't necessarily utilized in the autopsy reports, which, but... That's interesting. Who knows? That's interesting. However, radioactive dispersal would have affected all, not just some, of the hiker's equipment, and the skin and hair discoloration can be explained by a natural process of mummification after three months of exposure in the cold wind. So. That's fair. Yeah. Interesting it wasn't in the reports, though. Yeah. All right. So now we're getting into the theory that, like, I don't like, but everyone thinks is a f- funny, and they yuck it up when they talk about it. The Yeti theory. So hey, there was hey a Discovery Channel, quote, documentary called Russian Yeti, The Killer Lives, that basically goes on a long rant about how the entire thing was done by a Yeti, referencing a picture taken 
um, from the cameras. It's called frame number seven. It was from um, Thibaut Brignol's camera. It, if you look at it, it's literally just a dude in a coat. It doesn't look like a Yeti at all. Wait, that first picture that you sent me, I thought you sent that to me as a joke. No, that's the picture that they say is a mm. Yeti. It doesn't look yeah. like it's a guy in a coat. It's a weird picture to take, though. It do be weird. I mean, there are other pictures that I didn't include in here of, like, a dude standing in the snow, and, like, it's closer up, and it's definitely a dude in a coat. So, yeah, like, yeah. I just think they took, like, a quick snap, and it was blurry. But I really don't think it's a Yeti. I would agree with you, because, and here's... <laughs> I like the idea of, like, it being some type of, like, crazy cryptid scenario, because I always love a crazy cryptid scenario. But if you're going to be a Russian cryptid, you're gonna be white. You're gonna have a white coat because you gotta blend in. You're not gonna be dark. I also, I think the reason that I don't like it as much as I like crazy cryptid scenarios, it's like, it just feels so harebrained and like nine people Mm -hmm. lost their lives in a really tragic way that like... Sure. I don't know. I just think the only thing too that kept me from being like immediately jumping to cryptid is like they weren't panicked. My other thing is, if it's a cryptid, and cryptids are still animals, why he no eat anybody? Why he just I was thinking people? that, too. I was like, I feel like there's a huge lack of blood. Yeah, and, like, people being eaten. Uh, and the final theory that I included in here was aliens. Which we know I, I love a good alien theory. Yeah, I don't need to go into that one, I don't think, because aliens. Yeah. It's fairly... I mean, I kind of... What is there a good theory on there? Not like really. Well, it's just not, that aliens just, did it. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. That's it. Um, that ain't wonderful. No. It's. it's I, yeah. Not. I don't. I would tend to believe, as I always do, that this was a a little mishap, a little a little. Uh, Government mishap going down. Yeah, military test seems most realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm not gonna like pick one because I'm really not sold on any of them. I feel like all of them kind of have their flaws. Um, but I. Was, I, I want to know. You know what really gives me military problems? What's up with that journal? That's Let's a go great. Back. The one that's unknown. Yeah. What is that? Who is that? What happened there? Because yeah. I'm sorry. What? Why also would stuff somebody like write that? Missing. Like, also interesting. Yeah. Also interesting. Yeah. The only thing that gives me Yeti vibes is the fact that there were tree branches broken at an insane height. Also, people being like crushed. The crush thing is weird. The crush thing is. Weird. The crush thing is weird. Yeah. There's too much of this for it to be simple in any way, shape, or form. Uh huh clearly was something was going on but the things that stick out to me the most are obviously the journal because i just mentioned that but the tent being cut from the inside yeah is weird i don't like that either that's odd it makes me and like there's so many like knuckle bruises it almost makes me feel like like i don't know but there's also nothing that seems like a suicide either so it's not like it was like a murder suey yeah you know what i mean like there's not really a scenario there I mean, their injuries aren't necessarily super consistent with, like, another person being the reason. That's true, but then why were they fighting? Or, yeah, like, why what are were there they so fighting? many? Yeah. yeah. 
it truly is a wonderful mystery, but it also makes me feel, and this is where I go back up again to cover up, uh, I feel like in some parts, maybe we are fed wrong information. Like, that's like, oh, well, you could say it would be this, but then why, you know, why were their knuckles bruised? Sure. And it's like, well, maybe they weren't. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But we were just told that. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting place to be. This is, one, I feel so bad for their families. Yes, I do. Because, like, imagine, mm-hmm. like, these are all such young kids. Mm-hmm. These are bright kids who have their whole lives ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And they all got, like, snuffed out in one crazy fucking night. And no one has an explanation for it. Not even a single explanation. Not one of these people's deaths were something as simple as slipped and fell off a mountain, was found yeah. at the bottom of the mountain. There's an avalanche. There was an avalanche. These people died. Yeah. I also uh, did go into a few recent updates because I don't know if you remember, but recently there was like, Diaglov Pass has been solved. Solved. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, So in 2019, um, March 15th, the prosecutor's office undergo an expedition to the Diaglov Pass to test the three theories, which is avalanche, snow slab, or hurricane potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2022, January 22nd, Yuri... Cheka, what who was the prosecutor general of Russia, is fired and a new one, Igor Krasnov, is appointed. Yeah. Uh, in July 11, Andrei Kuryakov announces that the conclusion of the new investigation was that it was an avalanche. Okay, wonderful. That's that. So they open it up and they fire the guy and then the new guy comes in and says, hey, it's that one thing that there's no evidence of. Now here's what is interesting. On August 10th, 2020, Krasnov, who's the new prosecutor general, the new Mm -hmm. hired one, reprimanded Kuryakov and said that the investigation um, was warned of incomplete official compliance. And this is the maximum possible punishment before dismissal. So, like, they tried to be like, it's an avalanche. And the new guy was like, nah. Nah, sure fucking ain't, dog. Yeah. So, once again, it's a cover-up, baby. Let's just call it what it is. It has to be. There's just no... Also, no one add us. This is all speculation. Please, thank you. Yeah, it's 100%. No it has to be speculation. It's been set up to be speckled. I don't yeah. know if that's speculated, speckled, <laughs> speckled. <laughs> um, which is kind of crazy. I also think, and now we're just completely going off on another tangent, because why not? You're already in here for, you know, you're two hours in, you're here to listen to us be fucking crazy. I have always been of the mindset of like, I've never found a government cover up to be good enough to ha- have better outweighed results than just telling the truth. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Because, if anything, if they were like, hey, y'all, these kids are really smart, but this one guy led them 500 meters the wrong way into a field, They di- the, and this is what they died from, like, we're sorry as a government that they did that, but like also they weren't supposed to be in that area. Bada bing, bada boom. The government didn't kill these kids. Yeah. You know, if this was to be true, I'm not saying that it is, but if that's what really happened, the government didn't kill these kids. These kids just happened to be in an area they should have been in. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me is like, that's way better than letting people be like, oh, it's a fucking Jedi, dude. A Jedi. (laughs) Like a Jedi. A Yeti. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I've never understood it. It's like, just tell people the truth. 
Yeah. And maybe that's not the truth. Maybe that's not what happened. And maybe they would, if that is what happened, they would have said that. And that's just not what happened. And maybe, maybe the answer is way worse. And it is fucking aliens or some shit. But I hope not. it definitely seems like, um, the, the other problem was like, there's so much information. Yeah. Like you're almost like fed too much information. Plus it's all translated. Which is even harder. Yep. So it's like you can't really get into like the nitty gritty of the of the first part, but it's definitely odd. The whole thing is so so odd. Yeah. How strange. Yeah, there really isn't a satisfying ending. No. Even though I'm gonna tell you at the end of the day, I I do think knowing what I know now, I'm assuming they were in wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. And got a little bit of a concussive wave, which is why they weren't panicking, even though they knew something was wrong. They were just disoriented. So then they left. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Damn. R.I.P. to the homies. It yes. really sucks, because imagine the things that they could have done with their lives. I mean, all of them. So smart. So bright. Experienced, yeah. They could, I mean, hell, they could have been the reason the Soviet would have won. <laughs> Oh, yikes. You know what I mean? Like, they... I mean, truly, they lost nine bright minds. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered if there was a theory of, like, one of them turning on the rest of them. We've never heard that with this, surprisingly. Surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, it doesn't really seem like it's possible, considering none of the injuries even... Are consistent with, like... Yeah. Yeah. And also, wow. they were all relatively in, like, a good shape. Yeah. So, like, just one of them doing that seems unlikely since there yeah, were nine total. A, a 1v8 doesn't seem possible. Yeah. Unless it's a 2v. Yeah. You know, maybe the first... I don't know. It's all fucked. Yeah, it's all fucked. That is really messed up. I... Man... That is crazy. Yeah. So is it, has this area become a huge tourist place? Or is it like no one ever goes here? I feel like... Uh, I did read that, like, you know, when I was saying earlier that that place is, like, supposedly cursed. Yeah, yeah. So I assume that that definitely impacts their... Um, Why is it cursed? Tourism. Because of the people well, they dying it, there? No, it was cursed before that. It was literally called, like... Let me find it. Death Mountain or something. It's, the mountain is called Don't Go There. Oh, I do remember that. See, but that to me feels like a weird translation thing, too. That it's a Don't Go There because it's a fucking military operation zone. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, all you can do is speculate. I definitely feel, though, like, if that is the case, it's like, well, just tell people, dog. Yeah. <laughs> just tell people. Let, let You know, just be like, hey, don't go there. Have don't. y'all thought about that? How about you? Have y'all thought not fucking going there? Yeah. That sucks. Well, this has been fun. Has it? What a great time. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm glad that I know more about it now because I've always been interested. I'm always interested about these weird mystery cases. I love them, even though they're fucking grind to get through because people, real people. There are real victims here. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's even hard to say if victim is the right word. There are real casualties They're here. They're victims of something. Yeah. They're victims of something for sure. Like Lives were taken. Lives were people. taken. Yeah. Yeah, from apparently, like, real, and I mean, of course, like, people are always going to talk kind about, you know, the dead. But, like, their resumes alone yeah. really speak to, you know, and, like, the pictures of them and stuff. They seem like 
such bright kids mm -hmm. and the fact that like they all got taken in such a violent manner and mm -hmm. with no answers it just is nuts wow how interesting something to think about well it's weird do you think that we'll find an answer in our lifetime no i don't either no way not a satisfying one anyway no i don't think they're so. just gonna keep telling us avalanche i think i think so which is crazy yeah it's like don't you think an avalanche would have been recorded yeah hmm. yes i do hmm well i don't know about if all you're that. still here uh god bless god bless thank you for listening um, we definitely appreciate it, and um, stay hot, Arcadia.